This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm with David Burrows, Westpac's Chief Mental Health Officer and Principal Psychologist. David, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the podcast today. Fantastic. Look, we wanted to kind of discuss, uh, dive into the mental health in you know the financial services sector. And just to kick things off, what, what are some of the unique mental health challenges faced by professionals in this area? Yeah, look, it's interesting. I'm not sure if the challenges are unique to any particular sector. You know, by virtue of being human, we can all be vulnerable at different points in time. And you know, like any organisation sort of any sort of sector, you know, we can expect to see people with a range of mental health related concerns. You know, anxiety is going to be quite common. Depression is going to be quite common. You know, we see in high tempo work environments, which you know, which is what the financial services sector is like. Things like burnout um, and fatigue can be quite significant things that impact people as well. But I mean, there's also situational stressors. Just you know, when life gets in the way and people have challenges and things outside of work that. They're not unique to any particular sector. But, I mean, the financial services sector is one that's, you know, it's quite regulated. It does work at quite a high tempo. It does attract certain sorts of people. So, you know, we have to expect a level of vulnerability there at times for sure. Definitely. And and based on your experience, though, you know, how prevalent are, you know, stress, anxiety and depression, you know, in, in workplaces uh, more broadly than just the financial services sector? And, you know, how significant of an impact do you think this has on employee productivity and well-being? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think stress is an interesting one in that there's stress within every workplace, within every industry, within every sector. Like, it's just one of those things that are there. Um, it's when stress is problematic, that's when we need to be concerned. But things like anxiety and depression are relatively common. We know that one in five adult Australians will experience a diagnosable mental illness at any time within a 12-month period. We know that nearly 50% of us will experience a diagnosable condition at some point across our lifespan. And, and anxiety and depression are the two, the two main ones we're most likely to, to see there. Anxiety, you know, the most prevalent one we're likely to see. Um, impact it has, you know, can be quite significant. It's hard to be working your best if you're not feeling your best. If you're experiencing, you know, significant challenges around mental ill health, it is going to have an impact on you, um, both inside and, and outside of work. I think what we need to be cognizant of, though, is that how good work is good for people, also how that mental ill health does not discriminate. And it's unrealistic to think that we won't have people who, who aren't impacted by things like depression, anxiety, and other mental health concerns at any particular point in time. You know, I don't actually have any high-level data on the, on the financial sector itself, but we know that, that you know, things like anxiety and depression in particular are really quite prevalent at a societal level and all all workplaces, all industries are just a microcosm of society. That's a really interesting point. So in that case, what do you think some of these biggest challenges that employees are facing when dealing with mental health issues at work? And likewise, what are some of the bigger problems for employers? Yeah, okay. Some of the biggest challenges I think employees face is there's still a lot of stigma associated with, with mental illness. I think that's one thing there. I think there's there's a lot of stigma associated with different levels of vulnerability. So, you know, it's not just mental health that causes people challenges at work. It can be financial distress, relationship issues, all sorts of other issues as well. 
But a big challenge for a lot of employees in particular is there's still a lot of understanding across some workplaces around how work itself influences mental health and wellbeing outcomes. So what that means is there's often an over-reliance within organisations of generic support systems or just asking people to be more resilient rather than really looking upstream at how the way we're working, how we're designing work, how workplace factors may be having an impact or an influence on people's mental health. So I think there's a big challenge there around you know, are employees getting the right sort of support that they need, but are organisations actually working in ways which they're identifying and addressing those organisational barriers to wellbeing so that our focus is not on you know, fix the person, but our focus is on how do we be able to support people really well but understand the influence of work when it comes to things like mental health and people's stress levels and, and burnout, which are you know, significant concerns for us all. And what do you think employers should do? Well, I, I think we've known for quite some time what employers should be doing in this space, and that is really changing their focus and looking much more upstream around is work protective for people or is work harmful for people. I think employers really need to focus on this notion of are we improving people's experience of work rather than just asking people to be more resilient or just to take on more or to you know, perhaps just have a growth mindset and be more op- optimistic around things. So, I mean, it's good news there that we've got a, a changing regulatory environment when it comes to workplace health and safety that's supporting that. But the more that we have employers really understanding that mental health is a positive concept, that mental ill health doesn't discriminate, that none of us get immunity from mental health-related concerns. The vulnerability is real. You can experience vulnerability. That doesn't mean you're not going to be a great contributor and performer. But really importantly there, the extent that we have organisations looking at mental health through the lens of are we designing work in ways in which it's good for people? Are our people having a positive experience of work? Looking at do we have the right support systems in place? Now, they're the sorts of things that we really need to be paying attention to if we're going to move the needle in this space. A lot of the stuff that we see happening in this area might look good, uh, might be really well intended, but there's increasing understanding that the focus on mental health in the workplace has not necessarily been the right area in the last 15 to 20 years, which is why we're not necessarily seeing and workplace mental health improvements the way in which we ideally would have liked. When we discuss the stigmas surrounding mental health in the workplace, do you think that is it is there any sort of unique factors to financial services in terms of how it might affect employees or employee um, employees or employers, or is it more of a is this just a general across the board problem? I think it is a general across the board problem, but um, I mean the financial services industry is one that attracts people who are attracted to high-tempo working environments. It's an environment where there's high levels of workplace change. There's often high levels of expectation that people have on themselves or expectations on others. You know, So it can be, as an industry, it can be a stressful sort of place to be. Um, and, and we do need to recognise that, that it is different to other organisations. But I think the notion of stigma is common across most workplaces. 
There can be differences in male-oriented industries compared to other industries. There can be differences where we've got different age demographics and those sorts of things. But stigma is a universal problem that we face. And that's one of the biggest issues I think we have with that stigma is lack of understanding across communities around what we mean by mental health. Um, if you were to ask a thousand people what's the first word to come to mind when you say the word mental health, they're likely to say things like depression and anxiety. If you ask a thousand people what's the first word to come to mind when you say physical health, then they typically going to think of sleep, exercise, nutrition, and those sorts of things. It's a big issue for us because people intuitively understand that nobody chooses to have poor physical health. Poor physical health doesn't discriminate. That physical health is something aspirational, a positive concept. And yet the narrative that we have around mental health is through a deficit-based lens. Now, what this means is rather than most people recognising that mental health doesn't discriminate, that nobody chooses to have mental health-related concerns, that having an experience in mental health doesn't mean you're not going to recover or you can't be a great contributor or performer. It means that a lot of people focus on mental health through what is wrong with people and through a deficit-based approach. So that's something we've got to be quite conscious of. The World Health Organisation has defined mental health as a positive concept for very many years. Australia's own National Communications Charter for Mental Health and Suicide defines mental health as a positive concept and recognises that mental ill health doesn't discriminate. So I think the stigma piece is a big one there. But I think the more that we can understand the reality of what mental health is, we can look to things like Australia's National Communications Charter for Mental Health and Suicide we can stop our reliance on things like just big landmark awareness days and those sorts of things and really look and understand how, you know, beating stigma is a really important part of it. It's only one piece of the puzzle when we really want organisations and industries to, to focus and get better at what they're doing around workplace mental health, the prevention of harm, early intervention and providing the right types of support people. Not to play devil's advocate, but are there any risks to encouraging more open discussions about mental health at work? Look, there can be risks, and the, and the risk is typically, is my organisation ready for this? Do they actually have an approach that recognises the notion of good work is good for people and mental health doesn't discriminate? Is, is my organisation sort of equipping leaders to understand that vulnerability is a normal part of life and to be expected and that mental health-related concerns are going to happen at times. Do my leaders have the maturity to be able to engage in those conversations and are there the right escalation pathways and support mechanisms in place for me? So, in short, there there can be a risk around these sorts of things if the organisation is not ready for it. I think that most organisations are working very hard to do the right thing for their people and most of them are actively engaging now on much more sophisticated approaches to the way they look at workplace mental health. And and pleasingly, we're seeing a move away from a lot of the sort of really popular high visibility, low impact community-based programs around just simple mental illness literacy or resilience and those sorts of things that that just haven't been working well for organisations or for people themselves. I think there's, there's definitely a shift we're seeing in that space, but, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, vulnerability comes with risks. We hope that people 
that God rightly will psychological safety within their organisation to put their hand up and be vulnerable because it's a universal phenomenon. We also really need to ensure that our organisations are designed and equipped and resourced and have the right systems and mechanisms to be able to support that vulnerability when people are brave enough to bring that up and, and raise it with us. Do you think smaller firms might have a challenge perhaps greater than larger firms in some respects with re- regards to not feeling like they have the resources to, to tackle this problem internally? Yeah, I think that does happen. Um, I, but also, I do believe that I work with outside of Westpac, I work with a lot of very big organisations, not just within Westpac. And I think a lot of larger organisations are, are grappling with this as well as how do we move towards appropriate supports and evidence-based practice rather than what we've been doing for all these preceding years. But it is more difficult when you don't have dedicated HR departments or work health and safety professionals who are trained in psychological health and safety and those sorts of things. But, but pleasingly, for smaller businesses and smaller organisations, I'm seeing a proliferation of a lot more really robust support systems and tools and and sort of you know government departments stepping up to make it easier for them to manage the mental health and wellbeing of their staff and to look at how are they minimising that risk of psychological harm. And a big call out here to, to Safe Work New South Wales, who does an amazing job looking at the things they provide for small business mental health around, you know, evidence-informed training from the Black Dog Institute. It's not just your generic mental illness awareness. It's, you know, appropriate support mechanisms for small business to help them understand what they need to do to support the mental health and well-being of their, of their staff. You know, we've seen some of the charitable organisations come up with, with, with sort of mechanisms now that, you know, everyone can tap into that, don't cost any money is it where you can get sort of low-level coaching and support when when people are vulnerable. So I think there's there's definitely things happening in that space. It is certainly harder for smaller businesses. I think one of the biggest challenges there is knowing where to go to get that information, knowing where to go to get that support. I mean, I, I you know, do a lot of work in the small business space, and I love the work of EveryMind. I love the work of... Aheadforbusiness.org.au. I think some of the stuff they do in the small business space is is absolutely fantastic. But I think it is important to to recognise that not every organisation out there has got those internal capabilities, the systems and structures in order to support mental health in a way which we really would ideally like them to do. Another point which I think is quite interesting is to what extent employers should be responsible for the mental health of their employees. Where where is the line kind of drawn between personal and professional responsibility in terms of, you know, addressing mental health concerns? Yeah, that's a really good question as well, and it's one that comes up quite a lot. Um, I think it's good to step back to that point and recognise that none of us get immunity from mental health-related challenges, that we're going to have people within our workplaces experiencing mental health-related concerns, and that's got to be expected. I think what we're seeing, though, is across most of Australia, we now have psychological health and safety regulations. And in the absence of those regulations, we've still got health and safety responsibilities now where every organisation needs to identify parts of work that can be hazardous for people's mental health and wellbeing, to assess the risks associated with those hazards, to to put effective controls in place, monitor those controls and do it for lens of consultation. So that is a big movement we've had in the in the workplace health and safety space. 
And that's a real recognition of the impact work has on people's mental health and well-being. And it does place a formal responsibility on organisations to make sure that they're not just focusing on the support for people, but they're really looking at things from a preventative lens. So I think it's actually a really good thing that that's actually happening. The other way that I like to look at this too is, you know, an organisation does not actually have responsibility for somebody's, you know, what's going on in their personal life. That doesn't mean that they can't provide the right support and things in place for them to actually connect them to the right sort of, you know, resources and things to help manage challenges that they might be experiencing outside of work. And I think that's an important thing as well. But I mean, a really big part of it for me and from a philosophical and a practical perspective is, you know, you know, can't control somebody's individual well-being or vulnerability outside of work. Now, we don't necessarily have the ability to do that, but it's to ask the question whether is somebody's experience of work adding to their stress and contributing to the likelihood of mental health-related vulnerability or is work protective for their mental health and well-being? And that's the big challenge that I have, you know, with lots of the organisations I support and the advocacy work that I do is really how are we designing work in ways to remove those barriers to well-being? How can we ensure that work is protective for people's mental health and well-being? So irrespective of whether the person's experiencing vulnerability from outside of work or within work, we're doing all that we can to ensure that we're addressing those organisational barriers and making work as good a place as what it can possibly be. I mean, you think about how much time you spend at work, it is, it is a lot. Um, Yes, we do have a regulatory responsibility now, and we always actually have, to ensure the work is psychologically healthy for people. But I think organisations are realising very much so that they've got a moral responsibility here as well, and that if we're designing work in ways that are good for people's mental health and wellbeing, it's not just going to give you a mental, positive mental health impact, it's good for performance, productivity, retention, and those sorts of things as well. So the line between the personal and professional is always going to be a tricky one. Where do we where do we have the most influence? It's the way in which we design work and how we remove those organisational barriers. And I think the big focus here should be whether is work protective for people or is it or is it harmful? What is their experience of work life? Recognising that none of us get immunity from mental health related concerns or the ups and downs of life. Thank you, David. Plenty to take away from that, but thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. I hope you got something useful out of that. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 